אחר. Salutations. This is Justin Lore, and you were listening to another episode of Har Business. Hello there. How you doing tonight, Liam? <laughs> I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah, thanks everybody for coming back for a fifth episode, but a second episode with both of us. We are halfway to double digits in the what? overall realm of Har Business. So watch out. What? So watch out. Some next level stuff. It is. It's a pretty... It's not a big landmark at all. It's not a landmark <laughs> at all. Tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about tonight. Like you are, you could be listening to this at first thing in the morning. Yeah, it's nighttime for us. That's completely irrelevant, but that's how it is. Uh, we're going to be talking about two films that are related to winter. I guess you could say. Yeah, w- wintry themed. It's winter. It's January. It's snowy out. This was supposed to be a Christmas episode, but. <laughs> Yeah, so basically what happened was we had planned to do a Christmas episode, um, and so we actually, I, I feel like we can partly blame this on Krampus. Yes. So let's let's just say straight up, we're, tonight we're going to be talking about Black Christmas, uh, a classic slasher film, um, sort of considered uh, the that, beginning of the genre that predates, in a lot of ways. That predates Halloween, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, just an, uh, an important movie in a lot of ways, and... Um, if I remember to, I'll actually have, um, I won't do it right now, but I'll have the IMDb up so we can have oh, some facts in front of yes, us and really yes. know what we're talking about. But Black Christmas is uh, a pretty amazing movie in a lot of ways. And then we're going to be talking about Troll Hunter. Now, Troll Hunter is not a Christmas movie, but partly what happened here was that we had this idea. Let's do Black Christmas, this classic Christmas movie, and then we're going to talk about Krampus. So we can cover Krampus just in this first part of the in, uh, of the episode, real quick. I'm, I'm grimacing. Yeah, Justin's making facial expressions because that's what you do on radio, is that you let people... <laughs> <laughs> you just... You really want to use your body. You want to use the space. Yeah, you want to hold the microphone away and make no sound to generate... Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're both still figuring out. I feel like I talk too much into the microphone, and you really like to, like, move the microphone away. Like, hey. Like, Justin does this. He'll be like... And then I... Uh, and then I, <laughs> because you're because you talk with your hands. I do talk with my hands. So occasionally you talk with your hands with the microphone hand. It happens. But I mean, we're expressive people. I know we are. And I think you're one of those swarthy Europeans. Uh, yes. If, <laughs> if I was in a Lovecraft novel, I'd be the bad guy. <laughs> so before we go any further, I have a, I have a confession. I told Liam I had a confession. I, I like had a confession to make ahead of time. on the podcast. Okay, so we drew, I drove up to Liam and Suze's house, and I to watch. We watched Troll Hunter tonight. To watch Troll Hunter, I brought a bag of uh, Doritos. They're the sweet and spicy. They're the only vegan Doritos you can get in, in, in America. And I ate half the bag before I started to feel sick. Sure. And I have a confession to make. Yeah. 
that wasn't the first bag of Doritos that I opened up. I actually had a bag of these things. Well, I should have I, know, I should have known that because you quit on that bag of Doritos. That's exactly long yes. Before no. I would expect you to. Yes. So they're because they're the they're the devil. Like uh, this past this past Sunday, my girlfriend and I we watched um, Nightmares in Red, White, and Blue, the documentary about American horror films narrated oh, by Lex. Was, was that good? It's really good. Yeah. And I had brought down a bag of these Doritos and I crack them open and she had like seven and she's like, oh, I'm done. And I'm like, that's fucking proof that <laughs> you're not a human being. Like, no, because because you like I eat those things till there's either no more or I'm sick or I'm ashamed of myself. Like these are all viable options yeah, that could happen. Like no human. That, that's like the other test in the thing to determine who's not human. You eat like one of those Doritos and if you don't eat any more, you're clearly a thing. <laughs> or, or in the fucking Terminator, you are clearly yeah. a thing. The Terminator comes in. They're like, "Well, he doesn't eat Doritos. He's a he's an infiltrator. He's a T eight hundred. Get the dogs on him." <laughs> I like the how specific this is getting about. And then you stick the dogs on. And then it's like, yeah. Or if we can go even further down the nerd rabbit hole, it's like the fucking Blade Runner test. Or like a tortoise is on its back. What do you do? And you're like, oh, you turn it over, and here's the bag of Doritos, and you freak out, and they shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. Um. I like that the tortoise uh, test is very similar to determining that you are only human if you're like uh, compassionate towards animals. I like that. Like if I looked at the tortoise and I said, I don't know, I'll make a soup that I'm, I'm getting. Yeah, a bullet. yeah. I'm getting a bullet in the head. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, we promised on the last episode that we would respond to uh, questions or comments or people's sort of interactions with us. Yeah. We haven't gotten that many, although I forgot. we were, Just before we recorded, I thought, oh, we haven't really had anything. But then I remembered Justin Harlan. Now, here's the thing about Justin Harlan. I feel like every person who is a creator of anything, media, whatever, yeah. you have that person who you love to hate. Like the fan who is like really supportive but you also kind of he kind of messes with you and you kind of mess with him. You That's know, my Chris reject. If you're listening to this, I I hate you, Chris. Yeah, but this is the difference, though. I can't hate uh, Justin the way that you hate Chris reject because Chris reject is not listening to this. But oh, Justin, you're so right? He'll never know. He'll never know. But Justin is listening, so I always kind of make fun of him. And I don't really. He's actually a really nice guy. But of course, I should have said. I should have just known if I really thought about it. Who's the one person who gave us feedback? Not extensive, but a certain amount of yeah. feedback on that was Justin Harlan uh, at the Painted Man on Twitter. Oh, okay, uh, okay, that's who that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. Justin, he has his own podcast called The Far Sided. I think it's like a vaguely Jesusy podcast. I've actually been on it a couple times, and I'm still not sure if there's a subject yeah. matter of the. But I, why am I busting on his podcast? He's the only guy. Yeah, who are you? Me? You're just no, you're alienating everyone mean, that loves you. I like, love the thing is again, it's because we have the same. Basically, what it boils down to is I've known him since college, so there's a familiarity there. Yeah, and then uh, I think he has bad taste in everything. So I like to make fun of God. him. We no, he had a regular column for a while on Synapse. Yeah, that was I suggested a series of movies I thought he should watch. The point being is that he had not watched them because he's like a philistine, and then he would write about them. <laughs> and the whole attraction, the whole attraction of the column was that he had never. Se- of course, he had never. So seen this is like Kev Hare, but like. Well, like the difference accidental. is that Kev Hare is self-aware, yeah. and in fact, the, doing the Kev Hare column is a little bit of work, because oftentimes, he's actually seen more movies than he lets on, Okay, but it, so you have to find out which movies are going to work in the column, because he hasn't seen them. Gotcha. So like the sci-fi one was fine, because Kev is not a real human, so he doesn't like 
things with any fantastical elements. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like when we wanted to do the teen movie, uh, Kev Hare talks movies he hasn't seen. That was hard because he's actually seen a lot of teen movies. Like I wanted to be like, oh, what about like Mean Girls? He's like, oh, I've seen Mean Girls. Well, what about Ten Things I Hate About You? Oh yeah, I've seen that. I'm like. God damn it, Kevin. How many teen movies have you yeah. seen? And it only worked because we went 80s with it, a lot of it, except for kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which was the joke. I just ruined the joke of the article. doesn't matter. Back to Justin Harlan. A few things Justin had pointed out that I think I wanted to engage with. Justin was super surprised I had never seen um, Don't Look Now. Oh, well, I, honestly, I was kind of surprised, too. Well, honestly, I haven't spent a lot of time. I know this isn't, uh, strictly speaking, British. I mean, it's British horror. Yeah, but it's not like British horror the way like the quarter mass movies are. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like Witchfinder General, but it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we talked about this. Those of you who listen to Cinepunks, we did that uh, episode with uh, Sam, and we talked about her British horror, and she she suggested some movies for us to watch, and she was doing this series on British horror, which I hope you've been reading at Satanic Pandemonium. Um, she does some great stuff, but I pointed out then, and I think Josh felt similarly, that we hadn't seen that many. I mean, I've seen a few of the classic Hammer movies, yeah, yeah, but British horror is far more than that. Now, Don't Look Now, again, it's not a, a Hammer movie, as well, but in my brain, I think... Well, A, as we said on the show, like I feel like I maybe I have seen parts of it or it feels familiar in some ways. Yeah. But I know I haven't seen the whole thing. And I think just thinking, you know, here's uh Donald Sutherland in this like very atmospheric film. It felt in my brain like a, the the kind of British horror that like, oh, I'll get to that, but I hadn't yeah, really yeah. made an effort to. So I mean Justin's right to put it out. I mean, to be fair, uh, you know, the number of movies I've been able to assign to Justin because he doesn't watch movies. It's kind of weird he's pointing the finger over there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> just fuck him. That's, yeah. yeah. Fuck. Super. No, I, Justin is the nicest dude I was ever. I say, super really, supportive, but. You should really check out his podcast, The Far Side, which I think he's. So I think the podcast has actually been on somewhat of a hiatus and he's trying to either start a new one or retool it or, uh, I don't know. He's always doing new media projects and things like that. And I appreciate him. And he just wrote about Lemmy for us. He knew mm. Lemmy. So he wrote a very, not super personal, but the intro is personal. Like and he then knew he him personally? Lemmy. Yeah, yeah, no, he really? knew him. If you read the piece, check it out. It's, I forget what it's called, but it says Lemmy in it. So whatever. It's the one Lemmy piece we did on on uh, the Cinepunks website and the blog. He, uh, I forget how he says he, he, he knew someone who was in Motorhead. Okay. And so he met Lemmy. And in fact, even before he met Lemmy, Lemmy, because one of the guys in the band is going to uh, Justin's wedding, he bought Justin a wedding present. <laughs> That's insane. Just because he knew he was going. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll buy him something, too. So he met him. He said the first time he met him, I think they drank together. Read the piece. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like yeah, pulling it out from this. my That's memory. Insane. And Justin's probably listening to this in the car being like, this is not what happened, Liam. So I don't want to ruin his memory. But yeah, so he met Le- In fact, he... Re, uh, not that long ago, dropped off. I'm sh- pointing out all the ways that he's such a nice guy, and I'm so mean to him. He dropped off a bunch of T-shirts for me, I guess, because they were too small for him. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, not as large as he is, and he one of them by mistake was a Motorhead shirt, and he was like, "Oh, don't take that Motorhead. Like, hold on to that and give it back to me." And I was like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's like a present. You know, it's like a friend thing. Like, I don't want to, you know, like basically like that he had." that that shirt meant something to him. And I was like, why does a motorhead shirt mean anything to you? Like, yeah, what? yeah. But then that's how that all came. Anyways, suffice it to say, he wrote a good, it, 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 it wasn't super in depth about his feelings 
because I think he's writing some of that for his own website. But he wanted to write something specifically about Lemmy in films, which is a real thing. I mean, he's been, although he wrote this thing about Lemmy, this is where I will critique Justin a little bit. He wrote this thing about Lemmy in films. Okay. You know? Does uh, hardware come up? No. He doesn't mention Lemmy's turn as the water taxi in hardware. Fuck you, Justin Harlan. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm kidding. He just is great. Anyways, he'll just be stoked that I talked this much about him yeah, yeah, on yeah. the show, I think. Maybe. Or he'll be mad at me, but whatever. I hope he's mad at you. I hope he's not. Let's let's move on from this. Yeah, let's um, enough enough bashing this super nice guy who's like super supportive. <laughs> on Twitter, it's like every five minutes I'm getting like retweets. I'm like, oh, this guy's so cool. Who's doing this? Like this is a neat guy. Like he's a supportive he's a supportive guy. And he I make fun of his film taste because he's he tends to skew more mainstream than I do, which is fine. And he has kids who are of an age where you can't just be watching whatever you want all the time so he watches a lot of kids movies Uh, okay Uh, but he also when he does watch movies on his own he's actually more of a horror guy which he doesn't come across that way he's not like us where he wears a lot of like gory t-shirts or anything like that but i had to check make sure i wasn't wearing like a dawn of the dead no 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 but you know what i mean like i don't think he has any horror tattoos but he definitely um He's definitely, that's more what he likes. So I think this show probably would fit with him. But I'm not surprised that he knows Don't Look Now and I don't know Don't Look Now, so whatever. And then he said something else, too, that I probably should have, if we're going to do this, we should probably We should research it, yeah. Yeah, like like have a list of what people have said. But we're going to keep with this. The beginning of the show is always going to be, you know, uh, stuff from the peanut gallery. If you comment on the episode if you email us questions or ideas or comments or critiques if you tweet them at us though i guess twitter is a little more ephemeral but we'll try to we will make a sincere and you could contact i'm not opposed i mean if you're listening to this if you're someone who isn't friends with me in person or via facebook add me on facebook i don't care if you like horror movies we can we could bro down and you can you can contact me via Facebook with any questions or anything like that. I'll be more than happy to, to bring them up on the. On, and we on the, don't have you don't have you haven't set up a hard business Facebook page yet. Like uh, we have a group. I, I don't have a page yet. I, I should do that. I'll do that tonight probably. Okay, so we'll have a public page up. You can like it, tell your friends about it, leave uh, offensive memes on it. Please whatever do you, spice garlic bread memes if you're Joey Ross, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Ross will never listen to this, but no, I'm glad you brought no. him up. Okay, so. Uh, as we said, this all started because we had this idea for Christmas movies. Yes. And we were going to do, I thought this was a sick combination. We'll do Black Christmas, yeah. classic. And then we'll do Krampus. Yeah. But then we actually saw Krampus. Uh, where to start? So it was the same guy who did Trick or Treat, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I think it is yeah. the guy who did Trick or Treat. I really Which liked, is great. I really, that's the, so when I first heard of this movie, I thought it was like another like anthology, which I got really stoked about because Trick or Treat's amazing. Like I, and I only saw Trick or Treat for the first time, like I think last year, which amazes me. Um, but it, it was a great film. It was effective. It was cohesive. So I thought it was like, oh, cool. They're doing like a seri- another anthology, but it's like focused around Christmas. And it's the Krampus, which I, I don't care that it's sort of like hipstery to talk about the Krampus at this point. I feel like anything that uh, gets popular 
primarily over the internet gets labeled as like hipstery. Yeah. But when people say that, like, oh, Krampus, it's so hip- hipstery, I'm like, oh, you should tell that to the random German villagers who still care. No, no, care. no. I know that. That's, that's what I mean, though, is like, I mean, I, I see people with like Krampus night tattoos, and it's sort of like the Friday oh, the 13th yeah. thing. Yeah. But like, that being said, I, I've, it, it, there's this like weird, like horrible fascination I have with the concept of it. Like, there's like Saint, like, be good for goodness sake is like a very good way to live your life. And I've always felt that like Santa Claus is sort of like, don't be good just because you're going to get something in return. That's such a terrible thing to convey to a child. And then there's the Krampus, which is like the dark side of morality. Like, be good or else. Yeah, or something's going to happen. That's so terrifying. And then you mix that in with like Christmas and like the darkness of winter. And uh, well, I also get the feeling, and I'm no ethnographer of mythology or whatever the right thing would be. But uh, I'm sure someone has done extensive studies on the Krampus and can fill us in on the history. But it feels to me as a novice that Krampus is an older myth it, yeah. than St. Nick. Yeah. You know, I'm, I mean, St. Nicholas, I don't even know where, where does the Saint Turkey, Nicholas, I believe. Yeah. 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 Like I, I think the adapt, the adaptation of St. Nicholas to become Santa Claus and all that is applied with that. I'm sure it came through that Germanic well, wasn't sort of like, area, wasn't, but was, wasn't St. Nick. I mean, St. Saint, Saint Nicholas is sort of like, I guess his like secret identity to pass amongst mortal men. Yeah. But then uh, there's like, there's like Sinterklaas, which was like the Finnish Danish. I mean, Honestly, everything that we think about Santa Claus is made up by Coca-Cola. Okay, fair enough. Tell. Fair enough. As far as I could tell, that's but the, where but the but actual. But they're, they're, yeah, the whole idea of the, it, it's like a, it's like a modern myth that was sure. sort of like gleamed off of a variety of yeah. weird European sources. But I feel like the idea of Krampus, like this demon figure who steals the children in the winter, yeah. I'm sure that was around long before anyone was yeah, talking yeah. about. Uh, Joshua. <laughs> I yeah. was talking about Jesus yeah. up in the Germanic tribes. I'm so, sure they were already doing that. So that being said, I, I was automatically, I was intrigued by this. And then like the trailer came out and the trailer wasn't anything. It, it was just there. It was neither, you know what I mean? I liked it. I liked it. There were parts that were kind yeah, of Like there was the part, like I liked the look with the long fingers coming out of the, 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 sure. the, the, the um, fireplace. Just the, the look of it. Like, and, and I heard that it was going to be like kind of comedic, but I, I got to say, I wasn't, I mean, Liam and I saw it. We didn't see it opening night. No, but, but we went out of our way to see it with the yeah, idea of like, we this made is going to be great yeah. to talk about a new movie on the podcast. And it was like, oh my, it, it was like, okay, let, let me be clear from the start. It wasn't a terrible movie. It wasn't bad. Um, but it definitely wasn't great. Um, one of the things I can say that I, that, that the thing that stuck me the most about it, there was a lot, but the thing that stuck me the most was that it felt very schizophrenic in tone. It wasn't like, if you look at like a lot of like horror comedies, like you look at a movie like Shaun of the Dead or Gremlins or An American Warrior from London, they all have a very consistent tone. They're funny and they're scary, but it's a very consistent tone. The problem with Krampus was that it was either funny or scary, and it was never the two. And mm. it just it, it felt very like it like it was just jarring. Is what it, it, like it couldn't make up its mind as to what it wanted to be. I think it's a movie that will maybe over time find its audience a little bit. I've definitely run into pockets of people who are. Who will say, you know, have you? Did you see Krampus? You know, because they know I'm into horror movies. Yeah, yeah. 
And when I don't respond immediately positively, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw it. There's like a push, like, well, that was great. That movie was great. You know, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. real upset. So I do think there are people out there who really connected with it. But I think for me, I mean, I think we both felt like the constant jokes around the yokel relative. That's, that's another thing. And, and so there was a couple people we talked to that brought this up was that, look, I'm no fan of right-leaning political views, but I'm also not a fan of lazy filmmaking. And I think to make, like, if you want to make a character unlikable, just make him a backwards redneck with Republican-leaning views. I mean, again, yeah, I have no, I, I, I hate to put it this bluntly, but I don't even know I have a lot of compassion for the Republican, I don't even want to say Republican, for the entire, like, conservative realm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that really rubs me the wrong way. But it's also, like, such a played out caricature, especially the way they did it. And some of the, some of the descriptions even make sense to me. Like I'm pretty sure in the movie they're from Pittsburgh, but they're like country backwoods. And I'm like, yeah, Pittsburgh's not New York city, but it's not, it's a, thr- it's a metropolis. It's a big, it's a big city. Like, yeah, it's, it, so there were things like that. And even still, even if it was just, um, obvious, like very caricatured, it could still be funny. Like there's been those sorts was, of performances that like hit and it felt very rehearsed despite the fact that the actors, like every, all four of the main, I'm not thinking about the kids here because uh, the kids I think were barely tolerable. They were, yeah. They were like, you know, medium to terrible. But if we ignore the kids and just focus on the four main adults, those are, I think they're good actors. I think their performances were fine. Yes. But the jokes didn't land. Them as like fighting the creatures or being scared, They're, that mostly worked, but yeah, none yeah. of the, at least for me, none of the humor yeah, really the humor, it was It's just like a hack bit at this point. Like there's the one scene where they're, um, the, I don't know his name. He's the dickhead brother, step brother from Step Brothers. He and Champ Kine from uh, Anchorman are driving to somewhere to rescue their daughter. And we're, ta- we're talking about, we're talking about Adam Scott. Adam Scott. And uh, Champ Kind. No, now his now his name is out of my. I usually know his name, it's Champ Kind, but it's out of my brain because you said it. No, uh, Dave Keckner. Okay, so he's also in uh, Cheap Thrills, by the way, oh. with with my man Pat Healy. Okay, Ooh. keep going. So they're driving somewhere and it's snowing out, and the you know jerk brother in law who's played by not Adam Scott is like global warming my ass, and it was just such a like. You didn't need to say that. Like that was it, it. It was again just that like attempt to like lazily drive home. Like, see, they're the they're the guys you're not supposed to root for in this movie because they're dumb and backwards and they're Republican. And it was just like lazy and che- it was like a hack bit. Like basically, like yeah. I don't know. This will probably be good to put at the beginning because, as we said, we're trying to encourage. Uh, you know, comments from the peanut gallery, and, and hopefully someone is so annoyed and offended that we hated Krampus that they want to talk to us about it. But yeah, I mean, again, it, it wasn't terrible. Like the Krampus design, amazing. Cool. And the thing about it, a lot of people have been complaining about the toys, the scary toys. And the thing with me, the scary toys is, if it was a movie about scary toys, it would have been perfect. Those were great. They were yeah. all great, but. I went to see Krampus for Krampus. Like, give me some yeah. more Krampus. And you've only, when you see Krampus, it's cool, but it's very limited. There's very yes. little Krampus in the Krampus film. Yeah. Krampus, Krampus. Don't hate me for my pronun- pronunciations. Yeah. 
Back off. Yo, don't disrespect. So, another thing that really, like, rubbed me the wrong way about this movie, so much to the point, it, it was, like, almost, like, comedic, was, like, the whole thing with, like, the redneck family, that was just sort of, like, actual, like, oh, God, yeah, that's, like, that's, like, a pet peeve of mine, like, lazy, it's, like, it's, like, if you want to get a rise out of the audience, just kill the dog, it's just lazy, <laughs> was the No grand- disrespect to John Wick. Yeah. No, but I mean, that, that was like a focal plot, plot point. Yeah. Same with The Thing. That's a focal plot point. Like, it's like in a movie, like in The Babadook, like, oh, we want to convey how evil the mother is. And oh, there's a dog. Kill it. Just kill the dog. Like, it's cheap. So there's a grandmother in this movie. It's 2000, it's, well, it's 2016 now. This movie came out in 2015. There's like an old German Dutch grandmother. And I'm sorry, I don't, they don't specify. We'll, we'll say Dutch because she's a funny talking white lady. Yeah, she's a funny talking white lady from 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 their those European lands, from the old country. She's maybe sixty years old. Maybe, maybe we'll be generous to say seventy. So at one point, she doesn't talk throughout the whole movie in English, and then like, uh, so when they're like besieged by the hordes of the Krampus's minions, she suddenly I know what's going on. Like oh, Grandma. Tell us, like the fucking Obi Wan Kenobi comes out of the fireplace and starts, and she's like, "When I was a little girl," and then it flashes forward into a, or flashes back into what was weirdly enough a really enjoyable segment of the like the Tim Burton, yeah, it was very Qua- animated, Quay Brothers well style. That was actually pretty cool. Yeah. But the fact was, is she's like, "When I was a little girl, things were very rough in the home country," and it's like a, this Charles Dickens esque like landscape, and you think like, "Wait a minute." She grew up in the fucking 60s. Like, Europe was not in, like, a depression in the fucking 60s. Well, like, I mean, I guess if maybe she's in, like, communist poll, they didn't do enough work to have it make any sense because I, I really assumed she was German. And I'm sure someone saw the movie and understood that she was speaking German or yeah. Polish or whatever. And I, there are definitely European contexts in the 60s that would be rough. But this was so, like... Over, again, it was like an, it was like an expert, like, please, sir, can I have some more? Like... So over the top and like, and I get that it was like part of the whole, I mean, if, if you, if you see, if you've seen the movie and you know what scene we're talking about, you understand that the, it, it definitely felt like it was supposed to convey this sense of like fairy tale mysticism. Sure. But that combined with just the stock character of the wise old person who knows what's going on was just, it was just like, oh, come on. Like, really, they're going to do this. Like it didn't, it didn't, it didn't make sense chronologically. It was a cheap way to get at the character, and they've also, in the film, not really established what's at stake. Like, is the Krampus? So, is the Krampus literally punishing them because they don't believe in Christmas? Enough? Yeah, <laughs> and how does that apply to this old story? <laughs> don't even bring that up. I'm not. I'm not going to bring up what you said outside the theater. But <laughs> it, it was the point is, is that there's awkward <laughs> implications it's for like, what's going on in this movie she, and she, why you know and such a whenever you're making like okay, so with Gremlins, right? Let's we get if we're talking about it's a Christmas horror comedy. Yeah, everyone talks about, and I heard this a lot. It's the new Gremlins. It's the new Gremlins. And not even close. No, not even. But that let's leave that alone. I'm not even going to use that as an as a evaluation of the movie. But let's just say with what Gremlins succeeds at is that because it's a movie vaguely attached to the holidays, even as it's tearing everything apart, there's like a basic sort of code you understand, which is like that. There are people who are not nice, and then yeah. there are people who are nice. Now, uh, well, you can make all kinds of arguments that there's also underneath 
gremlins, a lot of racism or whatever. It doesn't matter. But the point is, is that what Krampus never really makes clear is why are we in this situation? Yeah. No one cares about Christmas except for the one kid. The kid gets embarrassed or frustrated or whatever and stops believing Christmas. And now everyone must die. Yeah. And meanwhile, the grandma's like already knows the situation. And, she, and then and she, she says like, she says like, the, the, she says flat out like the whole thing of like, it doesn't matter what you do. It's what you believe that matters. I'm like, oh, this way grandma, where you can nail your 95 thesis to the church door. <laughs> Like, uh, big, big ups, big ups to God. Justin making the first theological joke of like, the night. No, it was just so like, it was so heavy handed that it was like, and that kid was so fucking unlikable. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that the whole time you kind of just want, if it's, if what's at stake here is that little Billy or Johnny or whatever the fuck his name was is sad because Christmas is not as cool. I'm just kind of like, well, have Krampus take Billy and then yeah. we move on with our lives. And I, I guess you're not supposed to feel that because every other character in the movie is also awful. I mean, the only uh, likable character, I guess, to some extent, is the his parents who are jerks, but they're trying their best. You, you know, and they're, his, like, his, they're his, lovable jerks. His, 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 his aunt... His mom's sister. Yeah, I didn't mind her. She said some weird things. Though. She did, but she I think was you're like, supposed to get a mixed. On yeah, her. and then there was like the hard drinking great aunt. Oh, I forgot she about was her. The worst. Yeah, terrible. She Truly was, terrible. Oh my god. Like, yeah, you know what? Talking. This is the point, though. Talking about a movie for too long that you hate is exhausting. <laughs> like, it's just like this part of the podcast is less fun for me, at least. I'm having anything. a blast. You love, I it. You hate love it. it. I hate re- ruining things for other people. So, uh, that's why this is not a Christmas. Now we could, and you say, well, but trust in Liam, there's so many other Christmas movies. You could, but you know, Krampus fucks with the schedule. It fucked with the schedule. So by the time we were able to get together again, yeah. doing a Christmas movie, I mean, we could, we could have watched Christmas evil, but it was kind of like, didn't really make sense anymore. So uh, we said, well, why don't we do something related to winter? And my man, Justin, Troll Hunter. Troll Hunter. Great, great call. Yeah. Great. Although I get the feeling that it's always like that in Norway. I mean, that could have been spring for all I can tell. That's it. Yeah. In that I mean, part like, of the, yeah. in that part I mean, of the world. It's like the, the thing I like, I like about Troll Hunter is like, well, we'll talk about it when we get to that part of the. Oh, I thought. Okay, I thought we're still we're still no, ripping no, no, apart no, no, the, yeah. the the shit heap that no, is because uh, we're gonna do the we're gonna do this is our this will be our transition oh. right? So we'll be gonna wait. Which we're we gonna talk about first though. Let's talk about Christmas Evil or not Christmas Evil Black Christmas. <laughs> that would have been great if we did. We'll save Christmas Evil for next time. next ne- next year. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna talk a little bit about Black Christmas.
high school girl's been murdered. Mr. Harrison's daughter is missing. And now at the house where she lives, the other girls are getting obscene phone calls. Yeah, what I've done is I've tapped this phone so that when it rings, it'll ring at the station house, too. There was a little girl murdered over in the park tonight. Yes, I heard. Your phone's ringing. Terminal 55. So, Black Christmas. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Black Christmas is a uh, 1974 Canadian film. Oh, remember uh, I don't know a lot of Canadian horror movies, but this, this makes a list. Uh, it was Chris filmed, Winter I Nights, believe, in, in Montreal. Yeah, filmed in Montreal. Um, it, it, you know, I guess in 1974 Montreal, it could stand in for upstate New York or... Chicago. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. New England, vague, vaguely New England. Yeah, sure. And uh, it was directed by Bob Clark. Um, has Olivia uh, Hussey, Kier. I'm going to get all these names wrong. Kier D'Elia, Margot Kidder, Andrea Martin, Marion Wallman, and the amazing John Saxon. <laughs> As get this, a cop in a complete what? John Saxon played a police officer. Yeah, <laughs> I won't have it. <laughs> so, uh, describe a little bit. What is what is Black Christmas about? Uh, I, I guess you could say it was like. Technically, was it a slasher movie? There's like these sorority girls, and they live in their sorority house. And then um, it's revealed that for the past couple of weeks, they've been getting these obscene phone calls, which is just the person, a man. Um, they would answer, and he would just start screaming obscenities and making noises and hanging up. And then one of these girls go goes missing, um, and they go to the cops, and in a stunning display of just idiocy, uh, the cops completely drop the ball. The girls start getting killed one by one. Uh, this, I think we discussed this. Was 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 this the original, or no? Um, this wasn't the original. The calls coming from inside the house. No, I think there is uh, a movie that has that, but I feel like this was the first like POV yes. horror movie, like yes, cam- this- POV camera shot. Um, I, I guess there was probably some of that before, but it seemed like the first movie that really made use of that. Like, this was you're very, seeing very the killer's perspective. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's just. I mean, you you get. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't blown away by it. You get. You, you mean it's exactly what you think it is. Um, the phone calls are a little. 
a little much, especially considering when you when, when this movie was made. Like this, if this movie had been made now, I'd be like, okay, that's fine, that's an obscene phone call. But when you think about like this movie was made back in the seventies, like some of the shit that they, they were saying was like, oh my god, like how was this released in like American theaters? Yeah, it does seem like a, a pretty extreme uh, movie in that sense. That uh, the portrayal of the mental illness is definitely out there. So you were saying you you didn't love it? No, I mean, I'm I'm I mean, I'm I'm also not a fan of slashers to begin with. Mm-hmm. So that's not necessarily a, a comment upon the quality of the movie. It's more a comment upon my taste in movies. Okay, um, but for what it was, it was fine. I mean, it it definitely uh, it conveyed a sense of dread. It accomplished what it set out to do. Hmm. Um, I do like the fact that it just was it it, it just ended. Um, and I guess I was um, Wikipediaing this movie afterwards to see if I had missed anything. And there's any plot points? And no, I, I didn't. There, there's they never really explain the the identity of the killer, which I think is really awesome because sure. like one of the corniest things about slasher movies is that the killer's like you know, the young boy who drowned in the lake, or is it his mother or whatever? It's a person from a past, from the past. That's like the sins of the father being revisited upon the children or whatever. And this movie, it's just like, no, there's just a guy in the attic and he's just killing girls and that's it. And then there's the credit, the movie's over. I've never seen the remake. I'll never see the remake, but I guess in the remake, they, they explain who the killer is and it's just, garbage they, they 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 give him a backstory and it completely it completely ruined the one thing that i think really makes makes this movie stand out from like other uh other slasher films i was really struck by how vulgar the phone calls were yes. like they really push the limits um on imdb the you know disclaimer imdb trivia facts are often not true so <laughs> it's worth keeping that in mind but i i still read them because i want to know yeah, yeah, what people yeah. are saying about them apparently uh according to this that the phone calls were initially scripted n- not that vulgar just a little bit of you know a little bit but not that much um apparently a lot of the stronger course language was looped in in post-production Okay. To get a strong reaction from the audience. So that's interesting to me in that I wonder what the actresses, like how their response. Yeah, because there's one scene where the guy's like, pardon the vulgarity, the guy's like, yeah, I'm going to fucking rip your fucking juicy fucking expletive, blah, blah. And Margot Kidder's like, oh, is that what you're going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do then? He's like, and then I'm going to, she's like, ooh, go on. Like, And I'm like, now is she just maintaining like a. I mean, we are it? talking about Margot Kidder. So. Margot Kidder, yeah. <laughs> Who is drunk throughout the whole movie? Like her, I mean, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, we'll we'll finish up with the phone calls. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. And the phone calls were like there was three or four people looped, so there's like a otherworldly oh, effect. It was weird. There's, I mean, it's literally. I mean, I guess it could get excessive where you would say, "Well, no one can make these noises. This is an impossible thing." No, but I mean, at the same time, it sounded like I, I think that was like, like it sounded like they just went to a local park and found like a crazy person and were like, "Hello, sir, would you like us to make a recording of you?" Here you go, and then they played that over the phone. Like it, it had this note of like genuine lunacy when what the the, the the stuff that they were saying. And the cat, the, the, this kitten. Just ran across the couch and it was amazing. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, he should come over all the time because this is just a small part of the Kitty Olympics. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think that. So the things, the movie 
is, I mean, there wasn't really the genre of slasher at the time. No, no. Um, there were obviously some uh, early Gialli films that I felt like it sort of drew from a teeny bit. Yeah, yeah. But it really is its own thing. And I think some of the uh, ways that we see that is before this, I won't say exclusively, but for the majority, before this, you wouldn't have a movie with a bunch of murders and not explain it, not have a yeah. reason. Every murderer needs their scene where they tell you why, why they did it. That's like exactly, an important yeah. aspect of the uh, murder mystery. But again, there's no mystery. No one's trying to figure out, for most of the movie, no one even realizes that these people That's are That's how killed. dumb these cops are. <laughs> like, the, I, I cannot... But I felt like the setup was to the extent that though they're it, they're dumb, it's not so bad that it takes me out of the movie. No, no. I mean, well, we were making jokes about it, but it wasn't like it. It wasn't like I was like, oh my god, I can't, I can't really. This is actually going on. Like the whole, like basically any scene involving the cops is John Saxon being just dissatisfied with the way his underlings are performing, and then grumbling about how he has to clean up after him. I mean, not that John Saxon's killing it, but as a detective either. But there, <laughs> there, you know, there is this theme, and it's 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 interesting because seeing this as uh, one of the original slashers, and part of the theme in the film is that the killer is, in some sense, motivated by like a male. I mean, you know, I don't know that the script, the guy who wrote the script, would necessarily use the term patriarchy or something like that. But I think as modern people you see the way that he's talking to them and what's sort of motivating to act in certain ways. It's not just anger or mental illness, but there's a underlying misogyny there. There's like an underlying, it's about that they're and, women. And so it's, he's not the only character to act that way. And no. part of the problem with the police is that they're women. So they just, it's like, physically impossible for them to take these women seriously. Like, oh, you women in your vapors. Like, it's, it it really is, they're just like, oh, fine, we'll look into the person who's calling you and leave, fine, one of your friends is missing, okay, we'll get on it. Like, there's so many moments for just any, I mean, I guess John Saxon is the cop who puts it together, but any one of these cops could be like, wait a minute here, there's something fishy going on. So there's a guy leaving these horribly descriptive and vulgar messages and now a couple of them have gone missing. Maybe we better look into the, where these phone calls are coming from. Maybe something's going on here. No, they're just hysterical uh, girls. Yeah, those women. Like, I mean, and and I and I think this is this is sort of the question is that when the movie. I, I mean, I guess I'm so far from that time. It's hard for me to know watching the film. What is the response? So, like when we talked about it right after we watched it. I thought, well, it's not misogynistic, right? Like, the film itself isn't because the film is allowing us to critique that. The film is creating a scenario where if any of these men would stop being sexist for five fucking seconds, they would the see. movie would be over. Yeah. They would just go, oh, yeah, we should take these girls seriously and see what's happening in the house. And I mean, not that they know that's going on in the house, but maybe they, they would have figured it out, whatever. Point is, that's how I took it. But then I thought, maybe it is sexist, and what the people writing the script were thinking is, well, of course, no men would take these sorority girls seriously. Exactly. So they're writing in an irony, like, well, like you're supposed to be as, I guess what it boils down to is, I don't know what the audience is supposed to think. Are you supposed to be watching this going, well, I wouldn't take them seriously either, so I wouldn't be able to catch it. Or are you supposed to be going, why don't they take these women seriously? I'm inclined to go with the latter. Okay. If only because, uh, there's like the cops who are just sort of like that benevolent, benevolent 
like, oh, these women, these women, these girls, these little girls. But then you, you have two characters in the movie, two male characters in the movie who reveal what I think, what the movie's all about. You have the father of the first girl who sure. is consistent. He's like, he's so, he's so shocked, overbearing, protective. She's yeah. just a woman, but she's just a woman. She can't be out there on her own. She's just a woman. What are we going to do? We, and then there's the boyfriend of the main character. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. You can't get an abortion because I said so. You can't kill my baby. That's my baby. My baby. Like, and it's so extreme. It, it again. It's his response is so extreme, and it's actually like the only real red herring in the movie. Yeah, though it's pretty clear. I thought to the audience, I never really thought he was the killer the whole time. I was it was too obvious. It would be too too obvious if he had been the killer. But, but using him as a as a red herring says to me that the you're supposed to see him and the father as. Uh, negative characters and therefore that the script has a underlying I won't say feminist at all but an anti-sexist no. you know that it's yeah, that I, part of the critique embedded in the movie is if these men were less sexist then this guy wouldn't be able to murder all these girls see I don't know I mean I I, I think like I, I don't know if the movie was if the if the writers and the producers were aware of just how insanely misogynistic those two characters were. I want to think they were aware, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like it, it, it was like they were either unaware and it was terrible, or they were aware and did a terrible job at creating these like characters. Because the, yeah. the, the the boyfriend is literally like, "You can't get an abortion. That would ruin my career." <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. That would ruin your career. That would be hard on you. I mean, li- li- like, literally, the 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 sort of emotional thing for the boy- boyfriend is he's going to. Uh, basically a highfalutin piano recital. Like he yeah. has to play piano because he's studying piano. He's at a conservatory um, and he has to play for his, I don't know, uh, overlords. <laughs> and she tells him about this baby before he has to go play and that she wants an abortion. And like, he's, he just, he can't do it. He can't, he can't possibly perform. Doesn't he use the phrase like, I bet you get off thinking about dead babies. And it was like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I, still, I I don't know if I agree. I think I think it's possible that uh, that we're supposed to see all these men as terror. That that uh, fair that enough. All uh, yeah. of these men are of a piece. That even John Saxon, though he is the best of these horrible Keystone cops, that even John Saxon is not that far removed from the freak in the attic being like. Ah! Mommy, mom. yeah, like that they're they're connected in some way, and I mean we. I think it's interesting to talk about, but it doesn't really matter. Like what makes the movie so effective, though, is the point of view stuff. Him being this sort of force in the house that no one realizes is there. You, I never get the feeling that anyone is safe. Like he could kill anyone in that house and yeah. just get away with it. Yeah, and in the end, does really. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, there's something to me very unsettling about that, and I understand why it was so effective. In fact, one of the speaking of us reading random things on the internet, one of the facts on IMDb was about how uh, when one of the actresses who was in Black Christmas in the '80s went in to interview or re- or uh, I guess uh, uh, audition for the movie Roxanne. Okay, Steve Martin flipped his shit. And told her Black Christmas was his favorite movie of all time. What? Yeah, it was like, you're in Black Christmas. I love Black Christmas. 
How cool is that? How cool would it be if you just did some random horror movie? I mean, I, I, I she probably acted some after that, but just to, like that's the How thing. How cool would it be for Steve Martin to get excited about anything you did? Like, <laughs> if I saw Steve Martin in the street, he's like, "Oh man, I love horror business," or "I love." I'm not going to mention some of the bands I've been in, but you get the point. Like, it's Steve Martin. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, I think there's. I mean, obviously, the movie had an effect because this genre of horror really took off. And I think in large part to this movie. I mean, obviously, the influence of Europe, of some Mario Bava films, and some of the other early Giallo stuff. But I really think this movie really influenced Halloween and um, Slasher and all the, you know, the wave of movies. Which, I mean, maybe that's a reason not to like this, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate on the Ramones because I hate pop punk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's very possible to say there's a lot of shitty movies that come after this movie. Yeah. But I think this movie, it, it really did accomplish something. And I, I think it's important to note that, for better or worse, and although, I, like I said, I, I wasn't like a crazy fan about this, I'll give credit where credit's due and say that this is one of the really, it, it, it's called Black Christmas, but it really only has Christmas, I mean, it takes place on Christmas Eve, but Christmas doesn't play a crazy big part in this movie. And that's important because it's a holiday-related horror movie that isn't gimmicky, which is more than you can say about most holiday horror movies. You mean like Silent Night, Deadly Night, Christmas Evil, those are all like puns and like, they're gimmicky movies. Like this, there's no gimmick, there's no gimmicks needed for this movie. If I can get a little, uh, kill your idols on you like i mean don't get me wrong christmas evil is an amazing movie but i think you're right and it really christmas only functions in the sense of we're in a college town that feels abandoned yes 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 uh side note i said earlier that the movie was filmed in montreal it was actually filmed in this is what's weird about canada because to me canada like i don't don't know it that well but it was filmed in toronto but set in Montreal. Oh. And I, I can't help thinking, like, I wonder if you are Canadian, if you're watching the movie going, this isn't Montreal, this is clearly Toronto. Yeah. I, I, and I think today there's probably a huge difference, but 1973, apparently, they were very similar. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, there's, wasn't most Cronenberg early films, his early films were shot in Toronto? I mean, I, I think a lot of stuff was uh, shot in Toronto. I don't think that was... It wasn't quite what it is now. Like yeah, now yeah. it's definitely a film hub. I, I, I get the feeling it was probably shot in Toronto, partly just because of the they could use the University of Toronto as yeah. their setting. But, anyways, uh, getting to performances. I mean, John Saxon's John Saxon. Yeah, uh, Margot Kidder. On one hand, she's awful in the movie, but she's not all. She plays an awful character, yeah, she, and she plays it very well. Doesn't at one point did I imagine this? Doesn't she like make a joke about blowing a police deputy? Oh yes. Okay, so that that, I, that she makes a variety of sex jokes in the movie that you're just kind of like, Margo. and she's fucking drunk the whole time. Yeah, like she's not. I, I think there's like one scene where she doesn't have some kind of alcohol at hand. And the whole movie is just her like, hmm, well, yes. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Watching it kind of reminded me how I was always sad there wasn't a Margot Kidder, Carrie Fisher buddy movie. Like they should have gone <laughs> on some sort of like, they're female cops. Yeah. Figuring it out. You yeah. know? Oh, God. Oh, that would be so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's just a drunken mess the entire film. Yeah. Um, and maybe she was in real life too. I don't know, but you know, she works for what it is. I, I think it gets a little excessive, um, but it's not awful. Also, 
in it is the what? Do you remember the name of the main? I'm going to look it up right now. But the uh, main she, actress, she was in um, Romeo and Juliet. That's what I remember her from. Olivia. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Is it Olivia? Olivia Hussey. Yeah. Yes. Yes. She was also the one. Husey. I'm assuming. She was also the one. I know Hussey. What the fuck? She was also the one who uh, I think was also in Roxanne, or at least she auditioned for. Roxanne. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. That's the story's about. Uh, interesting for me though, and if you are a comedy nerd like myself, I'm I'm not huge, but I'm pretty nerdy about it. Andrea Martin uh, is in this movie, and this is I'm assuming before she was on SCTV. Um, you would know her from a million of. I mean, she's just been in so many things. But I'm wondering if I'm actually looking, if you're wondering why I'm killing time right now, I'm looking at her <laughs> filmography because I'm trying to understand where this fits. Yeah, so this is maybe her, this is Andrew Martin's maybe her fourth movie ever, uh, years and years before she was going to be. So she was on uh, SCTV, 1970, uh, not that long before, 1976, 1981, she was on SCTV. She did this movie in 1973. I guess it came out in 74. So, but um, if you don't know SCTV, you might know her from, oh, man, Inner Space? No. Oh, my God. Uh, Rude Awakening, uh, Stepping Out, Carol Burnett Show. Trying to think of what she's done that people would be like, oh, yeah, totally. Inner Space, that was with Dennis Quaid, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah, that was what I was thinking of. <laughs> I love that you had to make the noise. Uh, she's in Wag the Dog, which is pretty great. He's, just look her up. If you don't know who she is, look her up. Andrea Martin, she's been working for a long time. She's. I even saw her in something recently. If I could remember what it was, I would tell you. Oh, I think she's that new show... Isn't she on, did you see Difficult People? I didn't, know. I think she's on Difficult. I know I have IMDB open, so I should know, but I don't know. Uh, anyways, the the main actress, uh, Olivia. Hoosie. Hoosie. I did not, she's actually one of the few things I did not love in the movie. Really? I actually preferred her asshole boyfriend to her in some ways, as just as their performances. She's not terrible. She certainly... I feel like she was probably cast in the role because she's beautiful. Like yeah, she's, she's striking. Uh, in like ethereally beautiful. And to the extent that you're like, there's never been a college student who's that immediately attractive. I beg to differ. I went to college. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's fair. <laughs> maybe you did. But here's the thing. Did you recognize her boyfriend, Peter? Uh, was he also the weird boyfriend from Ghostbusters? No. So in uh, 1974, he's in Black Christmas. And then, hold on, I'm double-checking my facts here because I thought, yeah. Oddly, 1968, he's in 2001, A Space Odyssey. Really? Dr. Dave Bauman. Really? Yeah. Like, he's Dave. He's Dave. Yeah. No, but this is... So, You people may be surprised that we are so surprised. But this is what you have to understand about this. Um, he is not... I mean, this is... I might be underestimating this film, but it doesn't seem to me that you go from Dr. Dave. From yeah. The, Hello, Dave. And the the weird part of this movie is when he approaches Hal, Hal and says, open bay door. Hal's like, yes, Dave, I can open the bay doors. And then he's like, oh, thank you. That's the difference between this movie and joke just fucking right under the door. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst. I'm terrible. Um, yeah, so... Uh, if you've never seen 2001 The Space Odyssey and you've never seen Black Christmas, I'm trying what to What movies look. have you seen? 
Yeah, what have you seen any movies? Um, well, I was just looking to see if other movies they might know him from. Nothing. I don't know any of these movies. I could have so. sworn to God he's the weird boyfriend from Ghostbusters, who's like hitting on Sigourney Weaver and, and inhaling like Nasonex while built by Bill Murray's talk to her. I just made that very, up. I just made that. I was going to say that's very specific, but I think inaccurate. Um, no, he man, this guy's career is bumming me out. I'm going to stop looking at this. Uh, it just seems like he went from Black Christmas down a series of further not great holes. But if you if you remember him from 2001 Space Odyssey, this is not that performance. I mean, that performance is very reserved in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and in this movie, he's, I guess he's supposed to be over the top. In some this ways, it is, feels like he's trying to chew the scenery, but he's still very stiff. Even as he's freaking out about his girlfriend's uh, upcoming abortion, he is, still strikes me as like... He's a, like a brightly painted piece of cardboard. <laughs> Like that's, it's very it's 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 rapidly approaching character level, but it still felt. I just felt like a you know uh, the character of Jess doesn't go. All she does is like, oh Peter, yeah Peter, calm down. Yeah, it's not you're, you're being too much, Peter. Oh oh Peter, it's too much. I can't. Oh Peter, and then and then when she's finally in danger, it's just ah, like, yeah. there's just nothing there. Meanwhile, Margot Kidder. Killing it. She's yeah. like, I just feel like the movie is Margot Kidder and John Saxon vaguely try to keep some boring people from getting killed. Well, the, the girl, the other one, you know, she had curly hair and the glasses. And Andrea she, Martin, I was talking yeah, about yeah. this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. She was, I liked her. I, I felt she's something good, but for it's, her a, when, it's a small role for her. I mean, like yeah, I said, yeah. She's, she's, she, uh, she's always worked. And I feel like she's one of those people that people recognize, but. Um, she's not like a, I guess she hasn't done a lot of huge roles for in dramatic stuff. Um, it's interesting though, because, uh, her and, um, another gentleman from SCTV were in that, did you ever see that horror movie blue monkey? No, I've never even heard of it. It's a, oh, it's an alien movie. I sign me up. I, I think it's, I'm trying to remember exactly. I think it's like an alien insect movie Ooh. and it like haunts, it hunts in a, uh, hospital, Blue Monkey. I think it's called Blue Monkey. Anyway, so uh, your final evaluation seems to be related to that uh, you don't like slasher. Like, your review of the movie seems to be that you don't like slasher movies. No, I mean, it was a good movie for what it was, and what it is isn't bad. It's just I don't like what it is, if that makes any sense. Um, I'll Like I said, I'll give credit where credit's due. It's, it, it's, it's a capable movie, capable movie. Um, it doesn't rely on gimmicks or schlock. Sure. Um, it doesn't rely on female nudity. Is there any, yeah. is there nudity in the movie? Unfortunately, Margot Kidder keeps her clothes on the whole time. So <laughs> no, I don't alert. think there's. I don't think there's like. Yeah, there's not like, a lot of sexuality it, in. There's the movie. not. I mean, aside from like Margot Kidder like flirting with a deputy really weirdly, it's not like, hey, there's a tree, let's go fuck under it. Hey, like that doesn't happen at any point. Um, but. In the end, ultimately, I, I just think like no matter how good it is, to me it was just a, it was just like a slasher movie, and I'm not nuts about slasher films. I gotta, I gotta, I, I, I mean, a, I think it is in a lot of ways it's not like your classic slasher. It has some of the similar beats, but it's just a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. In another sense, it is very much a slasher movie, but I appreciate that because it's like the first. 
Yeah. This is the first thing. This is like the the raw and uncut, you know. This is like the um 87 demo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's right. I said it. Whatever. There's something so original about it that even though a lot of that has become cliché, it still appeals to me. Yeah. Um, it was and, good enough to keep me interested and for me to watch it, but in the end ultimately it was like, okay, yeah, it wasn't bad. Like I talk to me a little bit. Why do you dislike slashers so much? Where does this come from? What is this about? It just doesn't grab my attention. Like there's I I I think maybe because like and this is gonna sound kinda like corny and lame, is that actually no, this is gonna sum it up perfectly. When Scream first came out, oh I, I was young. Why are we talking about Scream? Uh, I'm I'm going somewhere with this. Just bear with me. Okay. And people were like, "Wow, that's really scary because that could actually happen. That that guy could actually show up tonight and kill someone." And I was like, "That's a fair assessment." But like, if that guy broke into this house right now, and I had a gun, I would shoot him, and that would be it. We'd be safe till the sequel comes along, and it turned out I was the killer. But. You can escape a guy with a knife. A guy with a knife is like scary, but not like existentially scary. Like the dead coming back to life, or werewolves, or the aliens from Fire in the Sky, or the blob from the remake are so much scarier to me because it they're truly fantastic. Like there's nothing fantastic about like a guy with a knife. I don't know. It just it doesn't it, What about uh Jason Six, Jason Lives, where his corpse is reanimated by lightning through a rod in his chest? <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, okay, but so then, would you consider? I mean, I don't think you should, but I'm saying, is that then different than obviously Nightmare on Elm Street? Nightmare on Elm Street, at least I, I think, was a was was just fantastic enough for me to like to like it. But you um, don't love it. Uh, I okay. The first one I like. The second one I like. Three, four, and five, meh. And then A New Nightmare, I love. I think A New Nightmare is amazing. Well, uh, now that we've recorded you saying that, let me be the first to say, (laughs) burn the witch, burn the blasphemer. I'm just saying. String him up. I'm just saying. Y'all, when you hear about someone got burned to death in the Middle East, it's me. Y'all know all. Y'all know what that was, which is me enacting the proper vengeance. Hey, man. I I actually do. I, I will briefly... Not agree with you totally because you're an idiot, but I will. Look, I didn't. I will vaguely agree with you that New Nightmare actually is really great. It's New Nightmare is a, a really great. great. Yeah, it's. But I think that your lack of love for the first Nightmare is just a disease of your age. Okay, let me and say if you were as I, old as I am. I do anyway. love a Nightmare on the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Let me rephrase that. I do love it. I could like that. That is a movie I could watch again and again. But I, I, I don't like it as much as a New Nightmare. I just don't even understand what you're saying right now. Yeah. I'm trying to emotionally connect with you. I agree I to disagree. Can't. Hey, look, it's not like I fucking said, man, like the first Nightmare on Elm Street's really good, but Freddy's dead. I'm just saying, man, it's the pinnacle of, of Wes Craven's work. Oh, Freddy's dead. Um, I'd say the only, the only Nightmare on Elm Street that seems actually like so bad I couldn't imagine don't watching say it two. again. Don't say two. Is the remake. I don't hated it. Don't get me started on the remake. Why? You liked it? <sighs> Yes and no. Oh my God, we got to move on. Yeah, we will. That that is for another podcast. We will my, definitely do my love hate relationship. Yeah, more yeah, so yeah. hate with the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street. I just think I think if you take a very narrow view of the slasher genre, I kind of get a, what you're saying to some extent, uh, uh, and I do think they're overrated. In fact, I'm more likely to 
uh, appreciate a horror movie on almost like a humor level when it's a slasher movie, depending okay. on the slasher. That there are more examples of movies that I think are so stupid that I still like them, but they're stupid, and I just can't. That are slashers more than other yeah, genres I, 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 that I, I, I still that. But, but I do think that there are a few films within the slasher genre that, like for example, I really love The Burning. I okay. love The Burning. Or uh, or something that's sort of a weird mix of genres, like that movie Stage Fright, like the 80s Stage Fright, yeah, yeah, not the yeah. later one, um, that just shine out to me in a, in a real way. But I, I think I appreciate your skepticism when it comes to slashers only because of how often conversations around horror movies end up being conversations about slasher movies almost exclusively. And I, yeah. and I don't know if that's the 80s or what sort of created that dynamic. I just think it was like the market became flooded because it was like at one point, like when, when it just seems like the slasher film is like the go-to, like you want to make a horror movie, make a slasher film. I, I don't know, like like all of my all of my favorite movies are just like the slasher film. It can go there's there's like a girl who gets killed, and then the killer is, you know, it's this guy or girl from the past, and then there's her friends die, and then there's one person left. That's every slasher movie. Even the even, I love Halloween. That's Halloween. Hmm. Compared to a movie like Hellraiser. Oh, you had to go Hellraiser on no, but you, me? You said, or, or like Hellraiser, or The Fly, mm-hmm. or The Fucking Thing, or sure. Evil Dead. Like, you know what I mean? Like, There's like there, there's only one way a slasher movie can go. Mm. Whereas like, a movie like, I don't know, Eraserhead, which is a terrible description. It's the first one that popped in my head. <laughs> I love that you went with the least obvious, <laughs> yeah. most no, abstract, but, like, but, but, like, but I mean, it's a great movie. Go with so a movie like, like even like... Even Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Okay, I'll yeah, let that. I mean, even I'll that go is like, that. It, like the slasher films are just like, oh, like this again. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like, and I mean, there are good ones out. Like, just Copycat with Sigourney Weaver. Is that a slasher film? I actually don't know. I've never seen that. It's not bad. I haven't seen it in probably fifteen years. Hmm. I liked it when I was younger. Hmm. I liked a lot of dumb things when I was younger, hmm. but. No, but I mean, like, it's just, to me, most slasher films, they, they're they just very, like, you know what you're getting yourself into when, when you sit down to watch them. Where it's like, the first time I saw, like, fucking Event Horizon, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Uh, good example with Event yeah. Horizon. I appreciate that. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think they can still surprise you depending on the quality of the movie, but I get the idea that uh, sometimes watching a slasher movie, it's like seeing a band that it's just about playing the hits. Like you're going to know it's like, okay, we're going to have this shot. We're going to have that shot. Like if a band came out, jump out here, yeah, do the thing, you know, like if a band came, if, if, if you and I went to a show and saw, saw a band called hold me back and we're like, okay. And they came out and they were X'd up. I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to mosh. And like, all right, we're going to do a cover. And they did stab in the back or I I would be like, Oh, I wouldn't be. That would be exactly, you know what I mean? Like I, I just, I just, for the record, I would mosh to any band covering Youth of Today. I would not. That's right, because you're one of those people. I don't I don't love Youth of Today. Okay. But if you cover Turning Point, I will. I would rip that. someone's head off and play it like a basketball if they cover Turning Point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so I think that's sort of our, our wrap up. I think um, if you enjoy slasher movies, I think Black Christmas is an essential movie. And I think a lot of people have seen it. I don't think we're going rare on this. No, one. no, no. A lot of people have seen it. But if you're one of the few horror fiends who has for whatever reason skipped the movie 
Uh, I think it's worth seeing. I would and, recommend this movie, yeah. I mean, and especially if you do like slashers and you want to know where did this come from. I mean, I think it it brought a lot to horror genre in general and that specific uh, soon to become in that I mean, this, this like, like I said, this was the movie that inspired John Carpenter to make Halloween, right? Uh, I don't. I, I think so. I think it had a big influence on it. Okay. Let's put it that way. I don't know what the exact relationship was. It's because it, as I was looking at it online, there's just I just don't trust the internet. So I want a quote <laughs> from John Carpenter. Yeah, All I found yeah. was people being like, and this influenced Halloween. And I'm like, well, what's your source? Yeah. I mean, why? Because it's a ho- holiday-based horror movie. Yeah, and yeah. they're both slasher movies. Like, I, I, I get it. And I think the POV, there's definitely, I think, a clear line between the POV yeah, point of view for those of you who don't know the term and don't watch porn. Uh, there's a there's a direct line. Fuck, he went there, there. There's a direct line between this movie and Halloween in the use of POV, but it, they're also very different movies in a lot of ways too. So I assume it influenced him and that it was part of what he drew on for yeah. Halloween. But I don't know exactly how influential it was. And I think one of the reasons I also hedge my bets a little bit on Black Christmas in general is. I'm sure there's someone who actually is obsessed with slasher movies who's like, Black Christmas is important, but before that, there was this movie. Or there's always there going to be this. someone like that. Yeah. And, I, and I definitely, uh, nothing I read online referenced Gialli at all or any of the Mario Bava movies. And it's kind of like, well, there definitely were some Mario Bava movies that came out before this that yeah. had to, you know, maybe Bay of Blood or Hatchet for the Honeymoon that weren't huge, but, and again, but maybe not. Maybe I'm drawing connections that aren't there. Point is, I think it's worth seeing it if you like this sort of movie. And that, I mean, I really do think the film is about that weird anxiety around um, college and people coming of age and the dangers that young people face and what's going on. Young people, women. I mean, yeah. And I want to think that the movie actually is is questioning the relationship between um, the killer the angry boyfriend and the protective dad. That yeah. These are all in I many hope, ways I sincerely unhealthy that, men. Yeah. You know? I really hope the movie was aware of that. If you're watching this movie and you go, I don't know, the boyfriend's got a point, then you need to do... Don't listen to this podcast ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, please. Stop. Yeah. We don't need you yeah. actually as an audience member. Okay. So uh, we're going to move on now to our second wintry uh, tale, Troll Hunter. I just realized, are we going to play the trailer for Troll Hunter? Because it's, yes. it's, it's yes. in Norwegian. Because it's Norwegian. Uh, God damn it. All right. Uh, we'll be right back. Now we're going to a gård here up where there have been some local news about events. Folk vil alltid prøve å finne naturlige forklaringer på sånne ting. Men hvis man oppsøker åsted og leter etter spor, er det ikke vanskelig å finne ut om det er troll som har vært på ferie. Hvorfor skal ikke folk få vite hva som foregår her? Skal du ha det kameraet? No. Så tror du Michael Moore ga seg etter første forsøk? Tror du det? Har du bagasje? Det er ingen her som tror på Gud eller Jesus. Nei, det er ingen altså. Og det gir en rokke kristmannsprov. Det 
And we're back. Yeah, it looks like I wet myself. <laughs> Justin, you chose as our second movie, Troll Hunter. Yes. Talk a little bit about uh, what Troll Hunter is and why you chose it as our second I, film to discuss. Okay, troll. I, I chose. I wanted to go with like a winter theme, but I wanted to avoid like the you know oh there's like the Shining and the Thing. As like the two classic like winter movies, I suppose we could have gone with like Thirty Days a Night. That's a wintry movie. Yeah, or uh, the Last Winter. Yes. Or what's the fucking movie on the ski lift? Frozen. Yeah. For, <laughs> not not Let It Go, Frozen, but like actual Frozen. Like I love I love that. I I I always forget that that is called Frozen. Yeah. Um. So what I like about this movie is that like if, if you haven't seen it, it's like a fa- it's one of the few effective found footage movies. In the sense that it actually feels like you're actually watching footage that someone found. Um, it's about these like three Norwegian college students who start finding out about. They think there's like a bear poacher, and they find out that he's not poaching bears. It's actually this guy who hunts trolls for the Norwegian government, and they decide to film, and all this awful stuff happens. Um, what I like about it is that it's it's set in Norway. And like Liam said earlier, it, it could be spring, it could be middle of the summer, but it's Norway, so it always feels like winter. And I've always kind of sort of had like a weird fascination with winter, specifically Norwegian winters, because black metal. Oh, sure, um, sure. And this, this movie, it, it, like, there, there's these parts where they're like driving around the country and like there's this like, very beautiful landscape, but ultimately it always feels very bleak. And I love that about this movie. Hmm. And like, then there's like the end, like the end, the end, the, the scene at the end where they're like, there's the, I guess the climax um, feels very bleak and very wintry. So, like I said, I just, I didn't want to go with, oh, we're going to do winter. Let's just watch the thing. So I, I, I think I, I felt Troll Hunter would be like a good, um, a good movie to watch for that. Well, I think it's an interesting choice. Uh, within the context of this show for a number of reasons. One, as you pointed out, it is one of the few, and it's worth, I need to remember that it is this, it's one of the few good found footage movies. Yeah, it doesn't like, I mean, and when I mean good, I mean, it doesn't like, even even the found footage movies that I that I like, like I like the Blair Witch Project. Oh my God, the taking of Deborah Logan. Yeah. That was really good. That is the, the, the part, spoilers, the part when Deborah Logan unhinges her jaw Fuck to swallow that—that that is like the most nightmare scenario. Jesus Christ! So uh, I don't—I'm not what you would call a found footage defender. There are people for whom found footage, which is a technique, by the way, it's not. People call it a genre, the found footage genre. I'm like, it's not a fucking it's not, genre. It's a, it's a filming technique. 
I'm not a defender. I think in most times it's done in a way that actually is bad. It's lazy. Yeah. It's just like we have an idea, but we don't we don't want to develop a creative creative right. way to get it across. Right. Let's just have these people film it, and then like a few years ago, for, I, I wrote like a like a rather lengthy blog post about it. Like, oh, was it on Tumblr? It was on Tumblr. Oh it was God. on. It was. It was on. Uh, I forget what my. I'll find it later. I'll maybe. Maybe I'll post it for Cinebox. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna start. Uh, keeping catalog of of because you strike me as someone who is not uh in any way would you fall into what would make sense to describe as a hipster but then there are just certain things that i think are funny that so like oh so you really like new nightmare, nightmare. more than a night right <laughs> off street oh you had a tumbler that you're really active on for a while yeah Oh man! Oh, I really like your retro Nikes you have on that right are now. falling apart and covered yeah. in fake blood from Halloween. Yeah, no, um, that's, that's cool. And my Joy, I'm wearing a fucking Joy Division shirt. You are. I'm wearing a Joy Division shirt. Anyways, uh, so there's another thing I think that is particularly relevant to us right now, which is that uh, Troll Hunter is not a traditional horror movie. No, no. And in fact, I think you can make a strong case that despite its bleaker aspects and despite its tone which is serious the entire time yes. that it is a very effective horror comedy yes and uh because uh at like they 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 they're talking about trolls trolls actual trolls right it's not a metaphor for anything they're talking about trolls and they trolls. do it so seriously and it's not like there's no winking and nodding at the camera there's not a trace of irony throughout this whole movie but it, it still comes off as almost like a, like a comedy it is that's so i think this is what they could have played krampus in a way that was funny i mean i think with that cast they had to have jokes they had to have gags yeah 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 but to say like, well, it, it had to work that way overall is not real and in the way that Troll Hunter works. So I, I'm being a little confusing, but hear me out here. Troll Hunter is played on one note, which is serious. But in the content, it makes you laugh. So when he seriously, without any joke, looks at them and says, are any of you Christians? Do any of you believe in God? And they wait for the audience to think in their head, why would he say, oh, right, fee fi fo fum yeah. I smell the blood of a Christian man. Like, or he's trying to lure one of these trolls. He's trying to what? Lure. Oh, you ass. <laughs> he's, he's trying to uh, get one of these trolls to show up, specifically at a fucking bridge. They're waiting for the troll at a bridge. How is he going to get the troll? He's going to get them, he's going to get the troll to come with sheep and goats and he's going to put them on a bridge how many goats three there ends up being three <laughs> goats before the, the the troll shows up under the bridge like little things like that that are played and 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 there's other moments that are a little more obviously funny like when people react to things or they're running for things or even the deadpan way that uh han ha what's hans hans yeah responds to some of the questions like are definitely played it seems to me clear played for humor but what's interesting about it is there's still, as you said, no gags. There's one. Note. I like I like that you pointed out that it felt like at times they were just filming things and running off of that. Like at one point, they're driving through this like through like the mountains and there's like fields sure. and everything, and they see these like oxen by the side of the road. And Hans just looks at the camera and says, "They put those out to feed the trolls." And he says it so <laughs> like, "No, they don't." You're there's a farm. Like he says it so like, and like they'll they'll, they'll say something like. 
they'll, they'll just be like, oh, why do we have to like do this? And he's like, it's because the trolls can't smell you. The trolls can smell you if you don't do this. So do this. And it's so right. like, what? Like, there, And even the troll design, like not that they aren't in some ways scary or, or kind of frightening in how they're uh, utilized. The design, like the first troll they encounter has three heads all with giant noses that's sniffing them out. It, like it, that's so cool it's and it's kind of, of funny. There's like, there's like a, I, I, the name of the guy escapes me. The name of the artist escapes me, but he did a series. I don't know if they were children's books per se, but they were illustrations of fairy tales. And one things, one of the things that he illustrates is trolls. And that's what they look like. The giant noses. Sure. And like, it, it, it's very, it, it, yeah, it's very fairy tale-ish, the whole thing. I think uh, in that sense, because it is, because there's an undercurrent of humor, though, and because it's not that scary, I don't think a lot of people really think of it as a horror movie. No, but I mean, it, it definitely has its moments where I, I think it is scary enough where it's, because you're dealing with something horrific, well, I think it's a in that I would definitely defend it as a horror movie in the sense that it's a creature feature. It's like a classic yeah. monster movie and but with instead of a lot of monster movies it seems to me tend to fall into the more like sci-fi sort of realm, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting that this has certain elements of a classic monster movie, but it's very mythological, very cultural, very much about this tradition, if, though there is random science parts in it, and that's that, that that that's if if there's one thing that I that if there's one thing that keeps me from and let me I love this movie. If there's one thing that like I I didn't like about it is how they were like um, there's a scene where they're they're talking to a veterinarian about it, and she's like, oh, well, you see, trolls can't process vitamin D, yeah. so when they're exposed to sunlight, their bodies can't process it. It leads to this, that, the other thing, and they explode. And some of the older ones it automatically calcifies and that's why they turn to stone. And I was like, okay, that's a very, very, very scientific explanation for why trolls turn to stone. That makes sense to me. Why the fuck can they smell, smell the blood of Christian people though? Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, you know, they, they want their, they want, they, 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 they want like the whole, like they want to have like, they want to scientifically explain why trolls do the weird shit that they do. And yet they want to maintain some, are, 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 are trolls, are they minions of the devil? Or are they are they not believers in Christ in 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 the Norwegian mythos? But I think it's just a reference to the fairy tale. That, okay, that he says okay. it. Okay, the- so but that too. So so like that too. It's 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 also like. But I think I think for me that works though because I think a lot of the film to me felt, and I guess this is how found footage movies should feel, but it felt very improvised. It, it felt did. very. We're just gonna. It it almost had, I hate to say it, but it it almost had a Christopher Guest feel. Yes, like it yes. felt like the monster movie version of Waiting for Guffman in some ways. Yeah, and and going going back to like the, what the the, the 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 rules of found footage are. Um, I I said that I'd written about this was. Uh, one of the the failings of a lot of found footage movies is why are they filming this? Why yeah. why is this being filmed? Why do we need to know this? <laughs> Why aren't they running for their lives right now? Sure. And there's a scene where, um, spoiler, a character gets killed, the cameraman, and y- you know he gets killed, and then they get the, you know, they 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 fight back the trolls, and they get the camera, and it, it's like they're, you know, they, they 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 every everything that is filmed, no matter how insane it is, 
there's a justification for it. It makes sense. It's there's not a like point in the, it, it's it. not like in the Blair Witch when they wake up and they're like, oh, there's sounds outside. We better run. Grab the camera. You know what I mean? Like or like that movie. Uh, I, was it called Alien Abduction? That came out Which of here. It just called it was it was all the, the the family that gets I think it's just called Alien Abduction. Oh, I never saw it. it, it where there's like a, there's like a family that's out in the woods and the little boy has a camera and they're like attacked by aliens and the kid keeps fucking filming the whole time and it was like I, I they offer some explanation for why he he keeps filming. I think it's because he's autistic and that's how it. But at the same time, it's like that may be so, but like you would think an adult would be like, "We're running for our lives, Jimmy. Give me the camera." Like, sure. you know what I mean? Like, like this film didn't like that. A lot of found footage films suffer from that. Like I'm not buying are you, this. Are you thinking of Cloverfield right now? I am. That was one of the things I didn't like about Cloverfield yeah. was that like, you know, the world needs to know. No, you need to survive. Like the world knows they're it's attacking New York city. It's not like it's sure. attacking like Easton. Like what happened to Easton? Oh, it's not there anymore. Like <laughs> the world would notice if New York city was on like, and that's the problem with a lot of found footage is that like, it doesn't feel genuine. This actually felt like, like in the beginning, it says like, oh, this wasn't it mailed to yeah. like a news. This actually feels like they's just like, oh, we got this package in the mail. We'll fucking pop it in. Let's see what's in it. And yeah. this was on. It felt like that. And it felt, it felt, um, it felt like someone had edited together the important parts. Yes, yes. You know? um, Which ties in with how they were trying to reveal. Sure. Yeah. Do. Is there some part of you? I mean, like I said, it for me it works in a way that Krampus and a lot of other horror comedies don't work in that it doesn't fall for me into a category of like goofy or no. It was corny. very. It was. It was very. Um, what I liked about it was again, it was the it was very even toned the whole time. Like sometimes it would get a tiny bit more serious. Like there was the there was the there was the hints at romance between Hans and the veterinarian, sure, which sure. lent humanity to Hans. And then there was the one scene where Hans is like, "Yes, I, there was this one time where they were building a was a highway or a tunnel through troll territory. I went in and I killed them all. I killed babies. I killed children trolls." And they're like, "Oh, okay, this guy's weird." It got a little, but like overall, it was through the whole movie, just even keel the whole time. One thing. Yeah. Whereas like Krampus was just like scary. Now it's funny. Now it's scary. Now they're making Republican jokes. Now the toys are alive. Now the the grandmother's drunk. Like it was just all over the place. And this movie was very focused and toned the whole time. And I, I, I think that I think that was what 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 it's like its greatest strength was. I guess I could see people not being into this movie if the humor doesn't work for them though. Like in the sense of if you're watching it primarily as just like a scary or a monster movie like that. Yeah. If you're looking for that tense feeling, it doesn't really have that. And I can see it being not engaging if it's not funny for you. Like if you're yeah. watching it and that, because there's something about the humor that's very dry, like very like, again, if, you know, the scene where he's trying to lure, lure this troll to the bridge, it works without, making the goat reference. Yeah, yeah. But if you think about the goats and the bridge, it makes that scene also funny. Yeah. Now, granted, it's also funny when he gets smashed by the troll. Yeah. Also funny. And then also he tries amazing. to fucking eat him. Like. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's pretty good. But but uh, um, but again, it's not played. I, 
I, I could see people for whom they need their humor to be very laid out. Yeah. Not, not connecting. And especially if they came to it as like, but I, I do have to wonder who would see the title Troll Hunter. That's another thing. And I think, think they were going to watch a seriously scary movie. I, I think a lot of people were turned off by the title too, just because it was like, this came out when there was a glut of found footage movies. Mm-hmm. And so there was that like strike one and then it's called Troll Hunter. Sure. So it's like, I, I, I like, that's why I think I only saw this movie because was it house sitting? I think it was house sitting for my boss. And this came up. I was like, oh, Netflix. I've heard of Netflix. I'll try this. And it was like, you might like this. And I was like, I might. I'll give it a shot. Like, and it was right. But I mean, I mean, it's a little, again, troll hunter. It's a found footage movie. And it came out in 2011. So it was like, I totally understand why there are people who were just like, I don't need to see this movie. Wait, are you trying to tell me in 2011 you didn't know what Netflix was? Uh, I got Netflix. Are you ready for this? Sure. When did the first season of Daredevil come out? You are joking right I'm now. I'm 100% serious. That was just last year. Yeah. You just got Netflix. My mom, for years, was like, you know, we, we have Netflix. You And I'm like, I don't need Netflix. I have thousands of DVDs, Mom. I'll watch them. And then when Daredevil came out, I was like, hey, Mom, can I have the Netflix password? And she was like, yeah, you know, we have an account for you. And I signed up there, and it's like my mom, my dad, my sister, my niece, and then Justin. I was like, look at that. Thanks, Mom. Uh, okay. Well, so Troll Hunter, um, it's funny. It has, I mean, let's mention this really quick before we wrap up. Uh, pretty impressive special effects. I mean, yes, I'm not very a huge impressive. digital effects. We we actually watched only one special feature. It was a really short special feature. We just said, what's that? Just something that said troll foot. And I didn't realize there were any practical effects in this movie. Yeah, I thought it was all Well, digital. it was like a mix, because as the guy, the guy even explained, like they showed... Um, it was like a just to, to set up the scene. Like the the troll had turned to a, a to stone after they exposed it to the ultraviolet light. Yeah, and it's like what would you say, like a forty foot high troll? About sure, that? something like that. And like the guys, like the, the guys, the the troll hunter is getting ready to smash it with a sledgehammer, and then he smashes it and falls pieces. But they show like in the behind the scenes, like the the actor uh, Tomas is like, look up there, look, and he points, and there's like about maybe a six or seven foot section that looks like a foot like a plaster foot, and then there's a rod sticking up out of it. And at the very tippy top, there's like two green dots. He's like, that's where we're supposed to look. That's where the head is. Right. So, and then he hits it and it falls down, like, and then they add all the other stuff crumbling. But it was, it was for like a low, I don't say low budget, for a movie that wasn't like made, I mean, Magnet's not like a big studio. They're like. I don't even think they made it. I think they released it. Well, they, yeah, because they, yeah. But like, the special effects were, more than adequate like they were really good like there were i mean i think when i saw it i saw it in the theater uh that was one of the reasons i went to see it I, the trailer was out yeah 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 i saw the trailer it was so cool lots of people were talking about it but then some part of me again like other people said troll hunter like is this really something yeah, i want to yeah. go for but i remember people who saw it before me really made the case like it's a found footage movie sure but it has really good special effects and i'm thinking about them like just the idea that there's a found footage movie about trolls that has special effects yeah. that are worthwhile in and of itself maybe be like, maybe I need to see this movie. Yeah. And it was <clears> – anyway, so I think I think that in and of itself is kind of impressive that it, that it works. And a lot of digital effects for me, they're not terrible. They just don't work that great. And so it's kind of interesting that this movie manages to pull this thing off 
when so many movies with more money can't do it. They you watch them and you're like, well, this is terrible. Well, this I also really... think this movie knew how to use digital effects. Sure, you know, like there was like the first time you see the troll, it's like, and it's a terrifying sequence. I think that sequence is one of the few purely horrific sequences in this movie. Sure. That isn't played. I mean, the scene on the bridge is kind of like goofy, like, oh, there's goats and it's slapping them around. It's kind of funny. Um, But there's a scene where they're being like, um, they don't know what the main characters don't know what this guy is just like, stay here. I'll be right back. He goes into the woods. You hear roaring and then a fucking troll comes running out of the woods at him. And then it chases him back into the woods and it's, they're like, it's like stalking them and they're using like night vision camera. But like, the whole point of that is that they use it, they use digital effects tastefully. They use it in a way that it's dark, so it kind of blends in with everything and it hides any imperfections. Like, actually, most of the times you see the trolls, it's fucking night. What am I even talking about? Like, you don't, there's never like a well-lit, bright, brightly lit troll, but like, they, they use it tastefully. They, they don't overuse it like a lot of movies use digital effects. Like, I'm sure if they show the trolls a little bit longer, you'd be like, that's digital effects very clearly. Sure. So I, th- I think it was a mixture of adequate digital effects mixed with knowing how to use them. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a chase scene in which they try to drive through this really giant trolls legs. And that looked a little video gamey. It looked a little, it fake. did, but just the fact that they tried to go for, I mean, I felt at that point I was going along with the narrative enough that it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was already sold enough on them that it was just like, okay, well, this is what's happening right now. So I, I think that this is a film that um, is worth considering, partly because, as we said, the tone works so well that it manages to be a movie that takes itself seriously but is really funny. Yeah, like, I mean, again, it's not like, it's not a movie like Shaun of the Dead where there's, like, all these delightful little quips and nods to, like... No, not at all. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's there. Like, everything is played so... And when I say deadpan, I don't mean, like, you know, I'm sarcastic, it's deadpan. But, I mean, like, it's literally, like, every single line is delivered, like... um, There's the one thing the guys, the, the, the Han says where he says it so gravely and it's not even a funny line. They're like, we don't want to put this stuff on us. It stinks. And he's like, trust me, you'll thank me later <laughs> or something yeah. like that. And it's yeah, so yeah, just yeah. like, it's not, it, it's like, that's what's funny about it. Like, it's not meant, it's like, you have, you got to see it. Like it, it's, 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 you have to see this movie to, to, to fully get what Liam and I are talking about when we say it's a, uh, it's a funny movie without being comedic and funny. I don't mean ironic funny. I mean genuinely funny. Like, it's it's just I don't know. It's good. Yeah, I'm not. I, I you know I don't think we want to oversell it because I, I I think that it's it's a movie that really stands out that really uh, is unique in a lot of ways. But I mean, if we were programming a horror night, I doubt we would be like. No, there's other. Yeah, let's put Troll Hunter on. It's like no nah, Troll. You got to be in. And I think, and I think it worked for this because of the winter aspect and again because we were really frustrated with Krampus and I, and I think we went in I think partly we went into Krampus pretty excited we were so like, hyped pretty like we this took a pic- so I took cool. a picture of Liam and I in front of the poster and a cop watched us do that and the cop didn't do anything because he saw how excited we were yeah fuck that <laughs> I mean, it is true. Like that picture, we definitely took that picture. Like this is gonna be so cool, horror business picture. Yeah. And now I'm like, 
Fuck that picture. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go on that. I'm deleting it from my Instagram. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, I think I think we're going to say that we would recommend both these movies. Yes, I would. I think that uh, for me, because I am a fan of the slasher movie, um, Black Christmas is actually kind of important. It really has an effect. Whereas Troll Hunter, I think it was... If I would say anything about Troll Hunter, it was such a fun, surprising watch in the theaters that I just didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, and I didn't it, know what to expect, and, and it plays off really and, well. In, in a market that was flooded with movies of a similar format, sure, this stands head and shoulders above the rest. If I can use that phrase, <laughs> and I think it also opened up. Uh, a whole area to me in the sense of there's actually been a few interesting movies coming out of Norway, Sweden, a few of those places yeah, uh, yeah. since this time. I mean, Tronter came out when? 2004? 2005? Uh, I shouldn't know that. 2011. 2011? Wow. So I was already down here. Well, still... it. it I'm sorry. 2010, Magnet released it in America in 2011. Okay. Okay. So, and the point being is that since then, I mean, that's still, I guess it's still like five years. Um, I feel like I've seen a few like interesting movies coming out. Fail, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. Wither. Yep. I also probably shouldn't squish all those countries together. Like, so for example, uh, I was thinking of uh, When Animals Dream. Is a, How is that? I really like it. I really like it. And maybe we'll watch it and talk about it on the podcast. But, yeah. um, but then I realized, well, When Animals Dream is made in a place where white people talk funny. So I assume it's like at least vaguely related, but it could be anywhere. I mean, yeah. for all I know, it's a, uh, and if you're from there, that like matters a lot to you. Like I almost said deathgasm and I was like, that's fucking all. That's literally the other side of the No, planet. that's not even close. But we, you know, there's a guy <laughs> named, there's a guy named uh, Magnus who uh, listens to Cinepunks. Okay. And he's from Sweden. And I'm sure if I said, oh, like when animals dream and maybe when animals dream is Finnish. Yeah. I feel like if you're from Sweden and someone confuses it with Finland, you were like actually like for us because we're ignorant Americans who you know yeah. we're just like eh, it's all this it's Nordic countries uh, rare exports that was a good Norwegian movie it's Finnish eh. uh, but I think like to if you're from there it'd be like if I was like yeah Philadelphia and someone's like well like Baltimore and I'm like you shut your motherfucking mouth yeah. It's nothing like Baltimore. I would kill someone for saying that. And I'm or if you were, or if you're from Boston, and people were like, "Yeah, that's pretty similar to uh, Providence, Rhode Island," right? I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah. I'm sure if you're from Providence, that sounds great. Or, but, <laughs> or when people say Easton is like is in New Jersey. I mean, Easton practically is in New Jersey. There's a river between it. <laughs> it's like not even that. In, it's. I, I'm just saying. If I look out my window right now, all I can see is New Jersey. It's disgusting. I feel so bad for you. <laughs> I like New Jersey. Okay, so let's move on to our final section. Okay. Which is, um, I guess we sort of said it was like news, like things coming up, things we wanted to talk about. Um, I don't have anything, though. Uh, I I have a couple horror-related things. Do it. Uh, So for Christmas, um, my girlfriend got me, first, my girlfriend got me way too much. I felt terrible. Cause I got her, Why did you feel terrible? I got her like a ring. It was a nice ring. It was a, not a wedding ring. It was a little ring. And she got me all this stuff. And I'm very grateful. Thank you, Ashley, if you're listening to this. I'm very grateful. But it was one of those things like she went above and beyond and I felt inadequate. Like I always do when it comes to women. Uh, but one of the things she got me was volume one of a comic called Witches by Scott Snyder. Um, 
and I'm a Scott Snyder fan. I think the Batman, the stuff he did with Batman, was one of the, some of the some of the few good uh, New Fifty Two stuff that DC put out. But I also love American Vampire. So, sure, sure. Uh, which is it was good. Like the artwork was very good, except for uh, I don't know if if you've noticed. There's like um, a, a style that's like big in comics right now, where there's a lot of like digital art. Oh, I have not noticed that that much, but uh, it sounds a little bit familiar. It's well th- in this comic, like every panel has like digital overlay of like blood splatters, and it feels like like a Death Wish Incorporated release from like two thousand three. Sure, it's like every there's like so, and sometimes it works in like nightmare sequences, but when it's not the whole comic, it was a little much. But it was a cool comic. It was very like if you like horror comics, if you like Scott Snyder, check it out. Um, and oh yeah yeah uh, we were i brought this up when i was over there the other night i finally saw that movie howl the uh werewolf on a train movie sure that it had sean pertwee in it and it was a werewolf movie that took place in london or in england that's a recipe for great non-disaster it was so such a such a letdown that sucks like It marketed itself as from the creative team, the special effects team of The Descent. Sure. So that should have been my first, like, uh, okay, I'll put this back. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I mean, I've said this before, The actually on the werewolf episode of Cinepunks, where we were talking about that, and I was saying how, I think it was that in that episode, we were say, I was saying how I don't know how much the producer really affects. Yeah. It's, it's weird when people sell things like, like for example, like you said, the special effects team. Unless it's like Rick Baker or Rob Boutine, you can't say that. Like, especially when it's uh, in a different function. Like it'll be like directed by the person who wrote the script for. Yeah. Or directed by the producer of. And yeah, like, yeah. Well, how does that sell me on the movie? It just seemed. It just seemed a very like, like. Was the descent known for its special effect? Like, was that what that movie guess, was like? I don't know. And so, but yeah, either way, that that was a movie that was like a huge. Um, I was excited to see that movie because in the trailer you see a werewolf's feet, and that scares me. And also, as Sean Pertwee in the last, he did he was in Dog Soldiers, one of the greatest werewolf movies of all time, and it was just like I was just like watching it and like okay, this is oh the werewolves in a lot of CG. Mm-hmm. Bad CG. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend how. So, are you interested in this uh, Martyrs remake that's coming out soon? I wasn't. I, think it comes I out. wasn't nuts about the original Martyrs. I so I actually like the original Martyrs, but I don't know why we need an American remake of it or well, money. I'm making. I'm making. I'm rubbing my fingers together in a bakshish motion. Sure, 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 sure. I just don't know why I want to watch. You know, no, exactly. I mean, well, that's the thing is like, you know, like most remakes, like, is there really an artistic reason to make that remake? Do we really need? And I mean, I've, I haven't seen it. I've only seen the trailer. The trailer seems thematically and tonally, completely different from the original and every it's that doesn't even seem like the same movie yeah yeah yeah. so i don't know i mean i mean then again i wasn't paying attention to the movie when it was coming out it's a movie i came to later so maybe all the advertising for the movie like was different than i would think it would be okay i'm not sure speaking of trailers that are thematically different have you seen the trailer for 10 cloverfield lane yet 
Yeah, so that uh, when I brought up Cloverfield, the only reason Cloverfield was on my mind was because of that. Yeah, that looks so cool. I am in awe of that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It'll be good. It will be good. I have I have complete faith in that movie, but it's like, I have no idea where they're going with that. Mm. And that's such a delicious feeling. Like, I don't yeah. know. Because the first one, when you saw the trailer before Transformers, which I saw on opening night, you knew what you were getting. A monster movie. This is like, what is going on here? Like, is the mo- I mean, is it even like? Are they doing like a? I, I mean, is it is it going to be? I mean, first off, is it aside from the title, is it tied in with Cloverfield? Oh yeah, they're, you know what I mean. Like they're they're describing this as the first step in what will become the Cloverfield cinematic universe. I kind of like that and i'm generally not a fan of like movie universes that aren't marvel yeah so like um no i mean it just looks john goodman it's like no it looks scary it looks uh it looks interesting and engaging all three of the actors that we see who are the only three actors we see are interesting just in the trailer yeah and mary so mary elizabeth like, winston is, is awesome in everything yeah. she does so i'm yeah i'm sucked in i think it looks really interesting are you interested in uh, The Witch? Yes. I think um, the trailers have been menacing, and people who've seen it have said that that's just a small... It looks... It's like not the movie at all. It, you know what I mean? It, 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 it honestly looks... Um, it looks like it portrays a feeling that is literally nightmarish, like something out of a nightmare. Like, these small, insignificant things have like menacing quality. Like the whole trailer, I was just like, this is like, this is making me sick with dread. Like, yeah, I think that's a good description. Yeah. So I'm definitely excited about that. I can't decide if I'm stoked on, they just released a teaser for, uh, the conjuring Two. I'm not stoked on it. Did you like the original? I love the original, but I have, uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know, for anyone who hasn't talked to me for more than 10 minutes in real life, uh, I have a hobby, if you will, of paranormal weird things. Sure. Um, I don't. That, nec- that, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I don't necessarily believe in all of it. I just like reading all about it. Um, and for as a long time, like I knew when I was like 11 that Amityville was a hoax. I, I knew that that was fake because the fucking Lutzes admitted it was fake. That's why the movie, I'm like, it's a good ghost movie, but like it's based on a true story. No, that's not a selling point for me. So I, that being said, I've always known that Ed and Lorraine Warren were crocs, or quacks, crocs full of shit. Croc of shit. That's what I'm looking for. Not crocodiles. Quacks, crocs. They're, you know, the, the, they're, they're quacking. They're quacking shit crocs. Croc. Crack. So like Crack. when when I found out they're doing like the, 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 so the conjuring, I was like, okay, Ed and Lo- I'll watch it. Holy shit, it's good. Annabelle, also good. And then it was like... Wait, you liked Annabelle? I liked Annabelle. You're a crazy person. Hey, man, I like New Nightmare. I like Annabelle. Didn't know Netflix for me until like last year. You're some sort of like uh, cellar-dwelling monster. I am. I like. I'm like the fucking... Yeah, who, who knows? I'm like one of the things from The Descent. The creative team of The Descent. <laughs> from the, um, specifically from the creative team. Yeah. So then... But when I found out they were doing like the Enfield Poltergeist, I was just like, really? Like... That was one of the most like wildly debunked when I was little. That was like it was like Amityville was like debunked. I think I I, I was maybe 
16 when it was like nail in the coffin. Like it was always kind of like out in the open, like talked about that it was fake, but it was like the Lutzes were like, no, we, we didn't. <laughs> You're sickening. <laughs> like when I, I knew that Amityville was fake by the time I was like 10 or 11. Sure. The Enfield poltergeist, like all the photos they would show were very clearly doctored. And now they're making a movie about it, and they're like, based on the horrifying true story. And we're like, how can you make a true story like on something that so many people know is like fake? But, I mean, first of all, I don't think so many people know. I think your average person doesn't know any of the things that you just described Look, man. as obvious things Look, that everybody man. knows. The common man is the consummate dragon. That's all I'm saying. Second of all, um, I mean... Don't all of these things end up getting debunked anyway? Like, what movie are they going to make related to to events that people claim to happen? That the Dyatlov Pass incident. The what? The Dyatlov Pass incident. I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah, you do now. <laughs> you do now. They made a <laughs> shitty, shitty, shitty. I think Remy. What's who's the guy who directed Dream Warriors and and Die Hard Two? Oh, yeah. What is his name? He's like a Finnish director. Yeah. He directed... Yeah, Remy... 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 Uh, yeah, Remy LeBeau. It's fucking Gambit. Sure. It's the, he he directed... It. He directed this terrible found footage movie about this incident that happened back in the 50s in Russia where these hikers were found all like ripped up and everything. And it's been like one of those things where people have been like, oh, it was animals. It's hypothermia. But no one has ever really explained adequately what happened. That is the one thing... That like that is the one thing, even like fire in the sky, which I know I'm gonna regret saying this already. The Travis Walton abduction, he made it up. Didn't happen. It's not real. Why are you such a horrible liar? It, it it's not real. It didn't happen. He wasn't abducted. He and his brother made that's, it up. That's literally why you that you tell yourself that because you're so afraid of that movie. I am. I'm that so you fucking have to scared. tell yourself that. I'm so scared. But to bring it to bring it around to this to to this movie, that that is like my whole point is like they know, especially in this day and age, if they're going to say, like, based on the true story, it's the fucking internet. They know what's going to come up. They know there's going to be articles written about it. They know that Richard Dawkins is going to get on and sing, oh, this movie didn't actually happen because blah, 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 blah. And, like, they know everyone's, so why do they bother doing it? It's a fucking marketing ploy. It's stupid. I mean, as much as I understand everything that you're saying, if the movie's good, I don't care if the story's I'm still going to go see it. I mean, I feel that way about a lot of movies where the true story aspect is lifted up and I don't, it doesn't matter. I mean, I guess it matters with movies about historical events. Yeah. Sometimes I'm kind of like, well, I really want to know what actually happened. Like here. a beautiful mind. They took some liberties. With oh that. yeah. Like, sure, sure, or sure, Cinderella sure. man. They did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, is that, wait, is that the same actor? Both. Yeah. Who, Russell Crowe. Yeah. Fucking Russell Crowe. Yeah. He hates history. He does. A gladiator. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's another one. For virtuosity? I mean, come on. That's not what the future looks <laughs> like. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny, actually. Oh, man. Have you watched Virtual? Well, this podcast is going to go so, on forever. Real quick, before we go, shout out to Ryan O'Donnell when it comes to virtuosity. He will know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, so, hey, thanks for listening to Oh, our- Also, uh, before we go, we, I mean, we should address that in the past like, few months, we've had a lot of, I mean... Alan Rickman, Angus Scrim, fucking David Bowie. Oh, you're right. Rest in peace, I brothers. Wasn't, I wasn't thinking about that, uh, but that that is definitely something we should mention. Um, 
and of course there's always like weird backlash about these sorts of things, which I don't understand, but, uh, yeah, Angus Scrim. um, who else? There was someone else, uh, the guy who played the mayor in Ghostbusters died too. Yeah. Um, the guy who played the mayor in Ghostbusters. Grizzly Adams. Uh, Grizzly Adams? Yeah. He died yesterday, I think. Whoa. Um, who else? Someone else just died. Was it the mayor of Ghost in Ghostbusters thing? Um. Oh my god! I feel like it, I feel like an idiot. Uh, Gilligan. Gilligan. Oh yeah, Gilligan died. <laughs> Gilligan. Um, but there was also uh, a cinematographer just died recently. Really? It might have been just before. Yeah, the guy who uh, uh, did blow up, blow out the De Palma. Really. Yeah, and a oh, bunch of man. movies, a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, and there was uh, there was someone else who just recently... Anyway, so uh, are you... Talk a little bit about your relationship to some of these folks. I mean, I know Angus Scrim is I pretty mean, important fa- to you. Yeah, I, Angus Scrim. Uh, I, I, I saw Phantasm when I was a kid, and uh, I, I still remember... Is it in Phantasm 4? When they go back in time, and they see him before he becomes the tall man. That's when you really appreciate, like... Angus Grimm as an actor because he plays this like menacing, terrifying person. And you see him before that and he's just this nice old man. And that, apparently that's how he is in real life or that's how he was. Um, but no, f- yeah, Phantasm was always like, uh, I, mean, I, I was out in California, out in LA a couple years ago and uh, the person I was staying with, she was like, oh, we're going to go to the Phantasm house. Oh, we're, 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 tomorrow we're going to the Phantasm house. I was like, the fucking Phantasm house. The, the big mansion, the mortuary, that's the Phantasm house. I'm going to that house. And then it was just like Jody and Mike's house in like some suburb of LA, which it's just like a, I think it's gone now actually, but it was just like a, like a, like a, like a ranch style house. Um, but no, I mean, it was, it was like Angus Scrim was just like, a, I mean, I think some, I, I forget who it was, some person in nerd, some big wig in nerd culture, was like, oh, finally, after 35 years, I can unplug my nightlight now. Like, rest in peace, Angus. So it's like, yeah. And then Alan Rickman, obviously, is like Hans Gruber and that guy from Love Actually, whose name I don't bother to remember because he's it's t- so crushingly sad. Yeah. Um, and he, I guess it's, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a horror podcast, so of course we're going to focus on our man. But I mean... David Bowie is a huge loss. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think it's hard to argue that anyone had more of an influence on American music, really, than um, David Bowie and even um, Alan Rickman. Like, uh, not that I disrespect the Harry Potter movies, but it's interesting he that people, just, people yeah. just boiled him down to certain performances, whereas I feel like he got to do a lot of different things. But on the other hand, as much as I want to judge them for that, Harry Potter was he, that was a long period of time. It was like yeah. a decade. It was ten he was years in those movies. So as much as I'm like, what about uh, Galaxy Quest or what about uh, uh, what's the love the uh, romantic movie he was in? Love Actually. Oh no! Oh but no! Yes, but uh, strongly, madly, deeply, or whatever, something like that. Love yeah. Actually is the only rom com that I know. Oh, you motherfucker! It's not a comedy. It's just a rom-com. oh. There are love stories that aren't funny, Justin. I know there's mine, which is sad. 
so I think also Alan Rickman and and as had, and I just also find his story inspiring because he's got. An, I mean, he had been acting in theater for a long time. He didn't he get a big hit till he was film. like forty. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying he got into film later in life. Um, and just been a lot. Uh, Amiri Baraka died uh, not that long ago. Um, I just feel like in the last. If, if you expand past, I mean, the last few weeks have been crazy with people passing away. But if you expand it even to the past couple months, a lot of people that I think matter, Lemmy, that we talked about earlier on the on the show, a lot of people who had a big impact on people's lives yeah, yeah, passed yeah. away. So um, I think, obviously, I don't want to become one of those people that just every time a celebrity dies, it's like, oh, it's so important. Because sometimes I get it that people get tired of us treating people that we don't know as they're so important to our lives in a personal way. But I don't think it makes sense to take away their achievements. Exactly, that these, yeah. That these folk achieved great things, and we're going to miss them because, I mean, I'll be selfish because I wanted more. I wanted, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of the people who've passed away that I cared about, it's both, A, I felt like I kind of knew them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But B... I wanted more from them. I didn't want them to pass that away. That last Bowie record is really fucking good. Yeah, I mean like, that's that's what I mean. That's the thing. Like, I I I wouldn't say that every Bowie record of the last whatever years. Let's I could even say like last twenty years has meant the same to me as something like Hunky Dory. But um, but I've liked them all, and I'm not even a huge in saying that. I'm not even saying like I'm a huge Bowie fan. I, but I feel like if you are even a casual Bowie fan. You probably like like six records. Like that's yeah, yeah. Think yeah, about yeah, yeah. that as an artist. That like he's the kind of guy you're like. I've only, you know, I've only uh, dabbled a little bit in Bowie, so I, I only like like five records. It's like holy no, shit. No one else you can say that about. Yeah, no, no one else. Yeah. So um, I just I think it, I think it makes sense to say like that we uh, will miss these folks. We'll miss uh, what they brought to our lives. But uh, I hope that in their passing, I mean. You know, people say, well, those people die all the time. And it's like, well, that just, it, it's one of the opportunities for me where I remember, like, oh, I want to try to accomplish something so that when I unfortunately pass away, and it will be a great tragedy for the whole world, that someone will remember it yeah, because yeah. they can't, not just, I mean, not that I think it's not okay just to be remembered by the people who love me. That's actually more important to me that they, people in my life love me, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I would, I, I would love to think that something I did in the world mattered to Had people, an impact, yeah. That they cared about my work, even if they didn't know me. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's actually a great thing. Yeah, that, to I, have know. your, to have your, the fruition of your creativity impact someone, that's a positive thing. That's a yeah. good thing. So uh, let's just go ahead and, and find uh, all the other old artists that we like and put them in stasis chambers so they'll never. Leave I agree. Us. I'm finding I'm tracking Morrissey down right now, and he and George Romero <laughs> will be trapped in a cell, sixty nine ing <laughs> into eternity. And in, in, they're frozen. 69ing. I said it. <sighs> hey, thanks for listening to Hard Business. All right, uh, until next time. Oh, a uh, little sneak preview. Where uh, our next episode, we'll be talking about. Yes. Uh, Possession. Starring Sam Neill. And The Brood. Yes. So join us for that. Yeah. Uh, you can, as always, uh, The Har Business, The Har Biz 666 on Twitter. Uh, you can add me on Facebook, just Justin Lore. Um, if you want to send questions, comments, suggestions, criticisms, hate mail, 
All are welcome. As always, shout out to Josh Alvarez and his ukulele. Yeah, big shout out to Justin Miller for the amazing logo he designed for us. Big shout out to Doug Tilly of uh, Eric Roberts is the fucking man and No Budget Nightmares because he figured out how we could actually host multiple podcasts without his help. That wouldn't happen. Yes. And of course, big shout out to Justin Harlan. I know he's not the only person who listened to it, but he's the only person who told us he listened to it. Oh, no, no. Matt West. Matt West. True. Matt West. Shout out to Matt West. And fuck it. Doritos for sweet and spicy Doritos. I'm out. See you later.